Hi everyone, we are Abby and Caitlin and we work at Deland Gibson Insurance, an insurance agency in Wellesley, Massachusetts. As 24-year-olds that have a crazy obsession with pop culture, we decided to start a podcast. We started our podcast to take the latest pop culture and relate it to important insurance topics that we work with in the office every single day. We work with our sales team to assess and lower our clients' total cost of risk. And we're chicks! So the Risky Chicks podcast began in the spring of 2019. Today's episode, we have a special guest joining us to take a deeper dive into umbrella policies, which are also known as excess liability. Abby and I are so happy to have our CEO here at Deland Gibson, Chip Gibson, joining us in the studio. Chip's years of experience and knowledge of insurance is going to come in handy today to talk all things umbrella policies. Welcome, Chip. Thank you. Well, I hope I can add a little color on um, umbrellas and excess liabilities because I think, uh, well, first off, there, there's a subtle difference between umbrellas and excess liability policies. But for today, we're not going to get into that because it just gets way too into the insurance minutia. So we'll, minutia. we'll, 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 keep, it, we'll keep it simple. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to join today to give some background on excess liability and really what an umbrella policy is because it's the basis of it is it's just giving you more coverage. I mean, the reality of today is that your auto policy and your homeowner's par- policy only afford a certain amount of coverage. And typically on a homeowner's policy, it's three to 500000 And on your auto, it's only uh, $250,000 per one person and maybe $500,000 per accident. So in today's day and age, that really doesn't go that far in terms of when you have a catastrophic accident. So an umbrella policy really is extra limits to cover you for those situations. So Chip, who would buy an umbrella policy? I mean, really anyone can buy an umbrella policy or excess liability, because the bottom line is you don't have to be a millionaire to be sued like one. And uh, that's kind of a phrase we use internally. And uh, the reality of it is, those limits that I talked about, the underlying limits, don't go very far. Let's say you are driving down the highway or through Cambridge and you you know, run into, you, you hit another car and that, that car has three neurosurgeons on it. Well, that their future earnings and their the value of, um, uh, of, of their family's assets are, are significant. If they can't you know, provide the same lifestyle, they're going to look for to be reimbursed for that. So it's, it's really $250,000 per person is not going to go very far. On the same vein, that, that's an auto accident. On a homeowner's claim, it could be, you know, it could be you're at Fenway Park and you open up your umbrella and you poke someone's eye out. Well, that's going to be <laughs> terrible, but it's also you're, you're going to get sued. And the, the, if your liability limits are only $300,000, that's really not going to go very far. Another common one could be you're playing golf and you hit a golf ball. What if that golf ball hits someone in the head? Or what if that golf ball, you know, hits a car and it causes them to drive off the road and hurt themselves or someone else? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors that you, where, where you can cause damage. And I guess to simplify even further, what, what you're covering with personal liability is bodily injury and property damage. Those are the two main components of what you want to cover. So whether that's in your car, if you the property damage is a line of coverage. And if you rear-end someone or if you... You know, drive, you hear those stories of people driving into a house. Like that's you're causing property damage, and that's what is going to be covered. And your auto policy really is only going to give you about a hundred thousand dollars on that property damage. So, if you run into a nice house or even a nice car, it's more than a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and you don't want to be paying out of pocket. So that's where you can get an umbrella policy or excess liability to pay for those damages. On the flip side, if you injure someone, it's it's that's what the, the examples I've been using so far. 
that is where you're going to need more than $300,000 or $250,000 per person to reimburse someone. Um, another really nice component of the umbrella uh, or excess liability is that defense costs are outside the limits. So when they're when you're going What's to a defense cost? Defense costs. So let's say you get sued by someone. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I know we were talking be- offline about you know some people that some celebrities that have been in accidents. Right. Well, they're going to see that they're a celebrity and they're going to see that they have money and they're going to say, okay, we're going to sue you. So when they sue you, you're going to court. Mm-hmm. So the defense costs are the lawyer fees. And so the lawyer fees are just outside the limits of liability. So let's say we talked about the bachelor. Hypothetically, if that bachelor gets sued, goes to court, and loses, the defense costs are outside the limit of liability. Let's say he has a million-dollar umbrella. The, the jury could say, or the judge could say, you, you, you need to pay the family a million bucks. And so if it's inside the limits... That means that the, all the fees, all the court fees of your attorneys would be included in the limit of liability for your umbrella. So you might only have a million dollars. So then like, oh, crap, I have I spent $250,000 on my attorney and I got a million dollar settlement I, out of pocket one point. Uh, the total out of pocket, the total cost would be 1.25, but my, my umbrella is only going a million bucks. So... So umbrella policies wouldn't cover those defense costs? They, they do cover defense they costs, do. and it's outside the limits. So okay. any any settlement is paid by the limit of liability, and it's not included on the um, – uh, defense costs are not included in that limit, mm-hmm. whereas in commercial policies, sometimes it is included in that. So it's, that's where it's just more insurance minutia, but something to keep in mind. <laughs> Lots of moving parts. Yeah, so, I mean, I think – and the reality of it is um, – in today's day and age, you like I said, you don't have to be a millionaire to be sued by one. What we can we can talk later about future earnings. Like even if you are, you know, even if you don't have much money in the bank, if you're a young twenty-something millennial like like you girls, you know, you, you could still injure someone, and then there's like, well, they have forty years of earnings that you could you, you could potentially have to pay out if it was a really negligent, really catastrophic situation. So that's where just like getting higher limits is, is important. Right. And on, on the flip side, the high net worth, uh, there, I, I read a stat the other day, I don't know where it was from, but the stat was that 25% of all high net worth, and this, this magazine or, or article uh, defined the high net worth as anyone that, whose net assets are over $5 million, 25% of them don't have an umbrella. So that's just kind of insane if, if you're asking me. Do you think you- that there's just not enough like knowledge on people knowing what umbrella policies are and their importance? Yes, I think there is there is not enough knowledge and there's um, they don't have advisors working with them to help them figure it out. For example, uh, 80% of the high net worth market is with a standard market carrier. And I don't want to get into like all those details, mm-hmm. but if you're with one of the insurance companies that you often see on TV with great ads and all that, they aren't tailored to have a high net worth product or a really strong umbrella policy um, for that for that client. So so that's where they're just not offering that, that coverage because it's just not front of mind. So it's kind of just out of sight, out of mind. They don't even buy it. But mm-hmm. not, to, not to mean they don't need it because that's not the case. So, Chip, I know we just talked about some of, you know, celebrities getting sued and, you know, the bachelor that just got 
um, brought to court for a car collision he was in that resulted in the tragic passing of another person involved. So we do see these issues in social media a lot. What do you think your view is on when they get brought to court in terms of the other family like suing them? Yeah, Does so, that involve the umbrella policy at all? Yeah, and, and where it's really key to have an umbrella policy is um, in the event of a tragic accident because what insurance companies are going to do is if you don't, if let's say you, you just have the underlying limits. So to, to kind of dig into that a little bit, uh, if you, let's say you have an, a million-dollar umbrella policy, you're going to, a part of that policy necessitates that your base insurance coverage has at least 250, 500,000 for an auto policy, and then your home insurance policy that you, you at least have 300,000. So if you just have the base limits on your auto or on your homeowners, and you get sued, and it's something really bad, mm-hmm. the insur- the insurance company is going to look at it and say, okay, this is a multi-million-dollar claim. We are out. We are not going to spend the time defending this because we're just going to lose more money because we know we're already going to have to pay the the policy limits. So they're going to cut a check and just be done with it. Mm -hmm. So that can leave someone in a pretty precarious position because they're just like, okay, well, here I got $300,000, but the reality of this claim is going to be multi-millions. Way more, yeah. Well, that's that's a really scary thing. And at that point, you you can't lean on the insurance company to defend you. They're not going to sit there and, 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 be, and be your counsel like they would normally if you had an umbrella. If you had an umbrella and you had a $5 million limit and a $2 million claim, that insurance company is going to defend you throughout the entire process. Right. And so that's where, you know, it, it was a good, it's a good question to bring up because not having an umbrella could leave you even more out of pocket in terms of advice, the counsel, and, um, and just the backing of a, of a strong partner. Right. That makes sense. So, Chip, we've kind of touched on both sides. Could you just give more insight on what happens if you don't have it for, say, 24-year-olds like Abby and I or the high net worth person? There's definitely a difference. I mean, we don't own houses or anything like that. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, I mean, both situations, I, as an insurance agent, I'm always going to say you should buy extra coverage. I mean, for a 24-year-old, to have an umbrella policy is is added peace of mind, and but the, the reality of it is it's going to cost you about one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars if you just have an auto and you're like I renting. just have an auto, but I don't think I have an umbrella. Like for my, but I mean my parents do. Yeah, and you're. But I don't know if my would that cover. So since you're living at home, yeah, that's I, you're still going to be covered by your parents at okay. this point. But you, you got to make sure that your car is is listed on their umbrella policy. That's a little – so, like, I questions like is, that. But, yeah. It's, it probably is. Yeah. Because you're a great agent. <laughs> and, <laughs> Hell, yeah. And um, <laughs> so, so it's probably set up correctly. So for questions like that, just give us a call. We'll happy to help. Email me. Uh, email me personally. It's mm-hmm. uh, cgibsonjr at delanegibson.com. And uh, I'll be happy to help you out or, or, or advise you on the situation. But back to back to a 24-year-old millennial that needs coverage. Yeah, for 150 bucks, let's say just over – 10 bucks a month, you can get a million dollars in peace of mind. Like if you get sued, you don't want to be worrying about you know, all the things that could happen. Like we've had claims where young people have situations where they need insurance, where it's, it's you know, it, we've had people where they didn't have underlying coverage and were sued. And they had to, and their parents had to come in and pay $20,000 for, for, for attorney's fees. And that's just unfortunate. And what if you don't have a parent that can come in, swoop in, and pay twenty thousand dollars of fees? You right. know that that one hundred and one hundred fifty dollars a year looks pretty good. 
Um, so it, it buys you peace of mind. It buys you um, someone to, to, to rely on who's going to fight for you in the event of a catastrophic claim. And it's, uh, it's just a responsible thing to have. Yeah. On the flip side, for a high net worth person, it's, it, there's a lot more at stake. Granted, you're not going to get a policy that's $150 because you have more underlying exposures. So it's, these, these, are, these umbrellas are rated on exposure. So how many autos you have, how many homes you have, et cetera, how many toys you have, that is going to drive the price up. But it also means that with more exposures, there's more risk. So there's a lot more risk. There's a lot more to lose. Uh, so that's where it's really important as a high net worth individual to have an umbrella. Um, and once you get to that level, there's way more options. And like, I don't want to bore the, the listeners right now with, with all this stuff. But for example, there's different exposures that a high net worth person has or just a gener- anyone has that necessitates a good umbrella. For example, if you're sitting on a nonprofit board, directors and officers liability for property damage and bodily injury can be included on your umbrella. Also, on you can get you can talk about group personal excess policies, which can be your policies that can be purchased through your employer. You can get employment practices liability. And I think just jumping ahead, that might be a topic for next next week's podcast. Sneak peek. Sneak peek. But, Sneak peek. but for example, there's a lot more customizable things, um, and <clears throat> other other aspects of it too. Is like if you're a high net worth individual, you're likely traveling, and mm-hmm. if in on. On an excess liability, which is different than umbrella, there is no coverage for this, but because uh, it, because it maps out similar to your underlying policies. But an umbrella affords more coverage than the base policies that you have, so there is coverage worldwide. So if you're traveling and something happens, there's bodily injury and property damage that your umbrella will drop down and cover in the event of something going wrong on a on a vacation. So those are just two examples. Uh, both ends of the spectrum, but both really have situations where I would really highly recommend buying some sort of coverage. Mm-hmm. It might be a $10 million umbrella for a high net worth individual, or it could be a, just a $1 million, $150, to $200 policy for a, a, a millennial. Seems like it makes sense to have and worth it. Yeah, definitely. When I start to look more into the insurance, when I start to move out and get a new car and all of that stuff, I'll definitely and move off my parents' policies. I know. <laughs> I'll definitely think about getting the umbrella as well because I just think it makes sense for to put that money forward yeah. in case of an event when you're going to be yeah. spending more money if you don't have it. I yeah. totally like would relate to our generation mm-hmm. just because like all of our friends are moving out. We're all buying cars. We're all buying all these different exposures yeah. that would be worth investing as little money as that for definitely all of it to be safe yeah and, and also you get a little discount on the underlying policies if by adding an umbrella so you know it, it ends up being net less than the cost of the umbrella but another piece a question that we often get that really depends on the individual is how much coverage should i buy and that's a uh you know really gets as i said it comes down to the individual but um, you can look at it a number of ways. Again, we've talked about exposures. You can look at it like that. Like a high net worth individual is going to have more exposures. But what if they have young children driving? Young children, like inexperienced operators, I should say. Because um, <laughs> the statistics show that inexperienced operators get more accidents. And, and, and then on the flip side, if you have, um, let's say your parents move back in with you and they're in their 80s, and then the statistics are showing that they may not be the best drivers in the world. You know, the, the exposures are, are going up and the liability is mm-hmm. getting higher. So, you know, maybe uh, if they're like, let's say your parents uh, from from when you guys got licensed in high school to, to college and li- living at home until you guys move out, maybe they want to have higher umbrella limits. But then 
know, you guys move out and the exposures are less, and maybe they want to lower that. Maybe they go from, you know, a five to a, back to a one million or something like that, you know. But then the grandparents move back in and they increase the, the coverage again. So there's, there's tons <laughs> of different factors that go into uh, to each individual and, and their own risk tolerance. But um, we're here to advise on that and to help you understand how much coverage you need and how much coverage you should have. I mean, we're not going to tell you to not buy it. We're going to tell you to buy more because we're insurance agents. But that's not because um, we want to make more money, but that's just because we want to make sure you're protected because there's nothing worse than uh, than not having coverage when you really, really need it. So that's uh, just really an example of, of, again, it depends on the individual, but yeah. it's, it's re- having responsible limits is really important. I feel like it sounds like it can be like customizable in a way to like meet person's specific and certain needs. 100%. So one more question on that. You're saying like, oh, I move out. Then like a year later, the grandparents move back in. How often can you change your umbrella coverage? And yeah, good when question. can you do that? Yes, yeah, so you can change it anytime. Um, but the, these, these, these policies run on a 12-month term. So they expire annually. And um, oftentimes the insurance companies will ask how the exposures have changed. They can change the rate and change the, um, change the cost of it. But the reality of it is you can change it anytime, up or down. And you can uh, get reimbursed prorated, uh, prorata, or you can add coverage and just get uh, prorated increase for the rest of the term. So, what about like if me and Caitlin were to move in together? Like, does umbrellas would that help with roommates? So, n- uh, or is it yes and like- no? So it's 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 for the individual. Yeah. So if you guys aren't married and it's you're not you're not going to be in the same policy, you'd need two different policies. So if, if for but it's a good it's a good. Example, so if you guys move in together, you'd get two tenants policies because you'd want to cover your stuff mm-hmm. and you'd want to cover your liability. Because um, liability these days, you know, it, calls, it says I was talking about property damage and bodily injury, but there's more that goes into it. Um, personal injury is one. So, for example, if this is all stuff you need to make sure you have on your, on your base insurance policy, but so if you were to get to move out, you'd get a tenants policy, you'd make sure you have, you have uh, personal injury because... What happens if you're online and you're, I don't know, making comments to on something and then they're like, oh, why this person's libeling me online? I'm going to sue them because what they said was not true. Or you're leaving, let's say you're leaving a Yelp article, uh, you're, mm-hmm. you're responding to Yelp and saying, this restaurant was terrible. I went there and they had a terrible service, food was crappy, blah, 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 blah. Well, what if the restaurant sued you for, for libel? Because you wrote something online and there's coverage in your on your on your tenant's policy that would protect you um, from that type of lawsuit. So. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So let's be careful what Yelp comments we yeah, have. Yeah, let's be careful. Yeah, what yeah. for what it's worth. So, I mean, what, what the bottom line is, <laughs> your personal liability is far more expansive than one might think without being in the insurance world and seeing this every day. So don't just think it's autos and someone slipping on your staircase. It, it goes a little further than that. So Chip gave a lot of great insight on the details into umbrella policies and the importance of them and what happens if you don't have them. So we put together some true or false scenarios to paint the picture and kind of give a more visual aspect to what we've been talking about. So the first situation we have. So millennials are obsessed with dogs, myself included. My whole Instagram feed is straight up puppies. I was going to say, yeah. My social feed is covered in poppy, puppies because that's all I look at every day. I, I can't even. You follow that? Yeah. Is that the, oh, yeah. It's yeah. great. Yes. Yeah. Well, like the golden retriever accounts, too. <laughs> so exciting. Black labs. 
<laughs> Those are like all my like Instagram notifications are people sending me videos yep. of dogs. But or anyway. octopuses. Or yeah, <laughs> not fun. So my wild dog, Maisie, she's psycho. She's only one. So she got out of the house one day and decides she's going to go batshit crazy on this little boy who was riding his bike down the street past my house. She gets so excited to see him that she knocks him off his bike, which leads him to a broken elbow, and she also leaves him really scratched up, bleeding, and a bite mark that results in stitches. True or false, I am liable for the little boy's bodily injury. Caitlin, what do you think? I think it's true. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, very, very much true. I believe it's strict liability if I go back to my... Certified insurance counselor testing days, which are long ago, but I passed. So at, at one point, I, I knew the answer. No, it, it's it's um, you're definitely liable for your, any do- of your dog's mm-hmm. actions, and it's it's there's no getting out of it. It's not like there's no question of uh, of the liability because if it's your dog did damage, you're at fault. Right. So do you think this is something or this kind of situation would that definitely go above my homeowner's coverage? Uh, not. Potentially, but likely not. Like, you hear those awful stories of yeah. kids getting mauled and whatever. Like, the Beermans, I know. I, I, I yep. said, Don't Be Tardy. Is that the That's name? That's, like, my favorite show right now. Okay. So, like, they had, they had a tragic incident where their their dog, um, I think, attacked their own Yeah, their son. dog attacked, like, their son, and he, um, like, almost, like, ripped his eyeball out. It was really intense. I think, I think the kid, like, can see out of his eye and everything, but. Yeah, that, that, so that was a, ended up being a good End yeah. of the story, but if that wasn't their kid, if that was the next door neighbor's kid, like that's yeah. piercing your umbrella, that is going through your, I mean, that's, that's going through the, your your base um, homeowner's policy limits to the umbrella. Yeah. So that, I mean, I would say if if, if Maisie knocks him off the bike, not really. But, yeah, you know. So it kind of depends on like the extent of like the injury. The yeah, it depends on the injury. Yeah. That on the injury. makes sense. But it's a good reason to have an umbrella. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's say like you can. Like, you could make up situations that could be devastating. Like, what if Maisie hits the person, that person goes into traffic? You know, it's yeah. like, it could get much worse from there, and then that's just gruesome. You don't want to talk about something like that, but that's the reality of why you buy insurance. Right. And then how would insurance companies um, deal with dogs? I know that I feel like I've read somewhere yeah. that, you know, some type of, type of dogs, it's iffy when it comes to, you know, insuring them. Yeah, so dogs can be, this is all underwriting. So, Insurance companies, they, they look at the numbers, and it's not against the dog. It's just against the, um, the statistics. So some dogs are more likely to cause more damage than others, and um, that is where they underwrite. So there's a list, and each company is a different list. Uh, some companies don't have a list, but um, they, they'll underwrite based on what type of dog it is. So if, mm-hmm. it's, a, if it's a dog that has... You know, more more likely to cause a lot of damage. Some of them just don't like to insure those dogs, so they'll yeah. ask them a question on the application, saying, "Hey, do you have this type? Of, do you have a dog, or what type of dog do you have?" Mm-hmm. And if it's one of those things, they'll say, "You know, we don't want to insure this person." So, do you um, think everyone should just like insure their dogs, or is that like not like a big thing? No, this, so the dogs, dogs dogs for majority of all policies are just covered. Yeah. So okay. The, so it's 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 a part of your personal liability. Gotcha. Poor Maisie, she just wanted to play. I know. Poor kid. <laughs> he should get out of her way. No, I'm just kidding. That's so mean. He probably wanted to play too and try to get I off know. his bike or something. Who knows? She is so aggressive though. Like I can barely walk her now. She's one years old and like walks me instead of me walking her. Do you have a gentle leader? No. That's what helps with miles. She has like a harness, but 
Yeah, so Miles... I think we're going to have to get her, like, a prong collar. I think that's what the vets usually recommend sometimes. The vets with, with my dog, I have a big chocolate lab, Miles, and he's, like, 110 pounds. He's a tank. And he w- he couldn't... We could, he couldn't, my mom couldn't walk him. Um, and then we got him a gentle leader, so it's just around his nose, and apparently dogs can only go where their face is pointed. So if um, it's really... It looks like a muzzle, so it kind of scares people. But... Um, He'll be walking straight, and if oh, he, is it like the thing that just—it's like yeah. a, it's like a harness, like for just their o- snout, right? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what it looks like, yeah. Exactly. So it doesn't take I've much much pressure, but it can turn his once he he pulls, um, it turns his head slightly, so he just stops. And yeah. So it's it's, a, it's you could. That's like, what my, she needs because now yeah. that it's fall and there's leaves blowing around, she oh, thinks yeah. leaves are like better than sliced bread. Like she sees a leaf <laughs> blowing across the street, and she is bolting yeah. towards it and then I'm left in the dust with like a oh dislocated God. shoulder. This is how like my <laughs> night goes every night. I dread the walk. I like have to, I'm like sweating thinking about it. So from umbrellas to gentle leaders. I know, <laughs> literally, yeah. Slight segue. All lowering risk. Alright, you guys ready for number two? Yes. Alright, so me and my friends are planning on the world's most lavish trip to Idaho and we decided to rent a car and drive through the miles and miles worth of potato farms. So true or false, my umbrella policy will not cover this rental car if I get into an accident. Yeah. I'm on Caitlin answering. <laughs> I didn't understand the question that, the way you asked it. So if I so we we did it we used a rental car. Yeah. And we're driving through a potato farm yeah. and like let's say we got into a car accident and you're in the passenger seat and you break your wrist from hitting the window or something. Uh, yeah. My umbrella policy won't cover that because I'm in a rental car and not my own car. False. I think it will cover it. What are your thoughts, Chip? Well, I'm going to say true because if you break your wrist, it's, it's going to be personal injury protection and it's going to be other coverages like medical payments and it's not going to get to your umbrella. Yeah. But that's like insurance minutia. On the on the grand scheme of things, if something big happened, yeah, if like you rent the car... Yeah, like it way worse. So, like, so like to, to just get to simplify this, yeah. if you rent a car and you have an umbrella, there's going to be coverage. Yeah. If you cause bodily injury or property damage that exceeds the underlying limit of insurance, your your umbrella will, will respond. So what if you don't matter. have an umbrella? Still the same thing. Well, no. If well, you don't no, have an umbrella, would, there's just no coverage. Yeah. Okay. You just gotta hope that you're that the the loss isn't that big. So if we crash into a giant potato and everyone dies, then or not everyone would die, but yeah. If the bodily injury exceeds, <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so if the giant potato, yeah, if you hit a giant potato, then everyone dies, and you it might you might not be worried about an umbrella at that point. No. But, but let's just say that the injuries were worse than a broken wrist and exceeds yeah. my auto coverage then. Yeah. Having the umbrella is exactly. like probably the best case scenario. Definitely. So if you're going to Idaho and you're renting a car, it might be cool to look out to getting an umbrella policy. All right. What do you guys got next? You ready for this one? Yeah. All right. I'm hosting the world's biggest party. Bigger than Gatsby's. Do you have to dress up as Gatsby? You're going to want the invite to this one. Um, someone at... <laughs> That would be cool, though. I've always wanted to go to, like, my house. Okay. It's a brown house soiree. Which is actually actually a thing. Me and Caitlin used to call, like, my basement parties a brown house soiree. They were awesome. I don't know if that's something to brag about or not. (laughs) I think it is. But anyway, so I'm hosting a party at my own home. sure is awesome. (laughs) And there's alcohol. We're serving drinks. And someone decides to drive home intoxicated. 
We then find out he causes a car accident on his way home, which results in a severe concussion and some broken bones. True or false, I am liable for his expenses from the accident. I'm going to go with definitely true. So my thing is, I don't know if you are liable for the expenses, but you can be sued and be found liable for the expenses. And what is um, really important here is to make sure you have host liquor coverage. So that can be covered Mm -hmm. on a homeowner's policy, and it can be covered on an umbrella, but there are policies that don't have this. So it just gets back to having an experienced risk advisor is really important because you don't want to be in a situation where you th- you're like, oh, I have homeowner's coverage, it's covered, and it's not. Like a lot of times there's certain policies out there that do not cover that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a huge liability, huge liability. A lot of times it could be secondary homes. It's, it's um, secondary homes that, that are near the coast that don't have as many regular homeowner's options. Those oftentimes don't have the right coverage. So you got to make sure it's the policy set up appropriately to be able to respond in the event that something like that does happen. So if someone is like about to host a party and they want to look into their policy to make sure they would be covered in the event that the situation would happen, what should they look for in their policy? They should call their agent and make sure that they have they have post liquor liability and then mm-hmm. they have an umbrella that goes over it. So if they don't, could they get an endorsement for that one big party and pay to have it covered? So you could you could probably get a special event policy yeah. and, and and look into something like that, but you know it's gonna. That's just something you, you don't think about. Yeah, you're not when you're when you're having a brown house soiree. <laughs> you're not going to go to an insurance agent to f- figure out a special event. You just want to have this coverage. Yeah, you want to know you, you're covered and not have to worry about it through the course of the year. Right, definitely. And that's just why you have the right homeowners and the and the right level of umbrella. Right. I know my mom always takes our car keys if she knows that there's anyone drinking in our house. Yeah, which is that, very smart. Yep, they'd be locked in her room. Yep. She takes them up to bed with her. (laughs) She's such a boss. All right, last one. Hypothetical Abby has an extremely short temper. Caitlin, you came over to my house one day and you decided you were going to try and steal my favorite bracelet. I'm actually wearing it right now. (laughs) And I saw you do it, and I got so angry that in my kitchen, I roundhouse kicked you in the face, leaving you with a broken nose. True or false, my umbrella policy will help you cover those expenses. (laughs) <laughs> and she's going to need plastic surgery. Okay. So. Because <laughs> her nose is so messed up. <laughs> False. So if you intentionally cause bodily injury, there's no coverage. Um, but I guess if you're dancing and we're just doing a high kick and broken nose. <laughs> a little rockhead action. <laughs> little, little, you walk into the rockets uh, and, and, and then, there's, then there's coverage. So. Um, that's the long and short of, of umbrella. Yeah, anything, anything. So like I guess the um, the areas. I'm trying to think where there is no coverage for umbrella. It's I believe with contracts with intentional bodily injury, mm-hmm. and um, and that is about it. I guess there's other areas that to make sure so that coverage is enforced is to make sure you have underlying limits because if you don't have underlying limits and you have an umbrella, let's say you have a vacation home and the policy cancels, and uh, you have an umbrella on your other policy. Well. There could be a three hundred to five hundred thousand dollar gap in coverage, and so that's something you really want to make sure is not a, a situation. Um, so you got to make sure that, that there's there's no gaps in coverage, is what we call it in the industry. But again, it goes back to having a good agent to make sure to to advise you on um, on your on, on, on all policies, all limits, and uh, all gaps. 
Awesome. This was Sorry, great information. In the face. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not over it yet. This was like, that's not okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> My nose is fixed. We're good. We're good. So thank you for joining us, Chip, and giving us your full insight into everything umbrella policies, going into great detail and uh, teaching us a little bit more about it, too. Yeah, definitely. Part of this podcast was we want to learn more about insurance since we're working in it every day. So it was awesome. Thank yeah, you. Happy to, uh, happy to be here. Happy to make my maiden voyage in the podcast. It was fun. <laughs> it was uh, a little... A little more intimidating than I thought it was going right? to be. You know, it's just a lot of <laughs> equipment, and uh, and so. But uh, thanks for having me, and just uh, you know, I'm glad we could go over an important topic like umbrellas because mm-hmm. it's one of those things that, like, there's so many factors that we discussed today, and people take it for granted, and it's really not as much of a commodity as it as it sounds like it is. So you got to make sure that everything's set up appropriately. There's no gaps in coverage, and that your policy covers what you think it's going to cover. And again, go, it goes back to getting good advice and good guidance through uh, through the insurance buying process. Definitely. So earlier in the episode, we gave a little sneak peek into what our next episode is going to be, employment practices, and we're going to go into full detail on that. Maybe I have a special guest. So stay tuned to hear about employment practices. Remember not to get yourself caught up in risky, risky business. business.